you're the kind of guy who an off-duty stripper would have slept with. You are in the Gentleman's Club. This is Don Magic Wand, chairman of the board of famous players everywhere, and you're listening to the Gentleman's Club. Check, preach, have a knacker. It's the only way we're going to get any action. Coming to you free in MP3 from Los Angeles, it's the Gentleman's Club with me, Caleb Bacon. This is a show where I talk to people guys find interesting, and today's guest is Mike Kaplan. He's a stand-up comedian who's been on the show uh, once before a while ago. You know him from, uh, he was a finalist on Last Comic Standing, he's done all the late night shows, and he's just a funny fucking guy. He's got a new comedy music CD he did with his buddy Micah Sherman, that's called Please Be Seated, that is out now. He also has a new podcast called Hang Out With Me, that is also out now. I recorded this episode with Mike a few weeks ago when he was out here doing some uh, stand-up dates, and we do talk about how I I, uh, am working on the show Animal Practice on NBC and Animal Practice uh, was canceled. It was too bad. I had a fun time working on that show. Also wanted to plug some other podcasts that I was a guest on recently. I appeared on Dream Tweet, the game show to go, which is a, a fun game show competition, and I got my butt kicked. And also did a new episode of the podcast, which is coming up soon. But hey, let's talk to Mike Kaplan. The Gentleman's Club. Mike Kaplan, good to see you. Good to be seen. Thank you. Thanks for coming back. You haven't uh, been on the show in about a year and six months. Ah, about a year and a half. Thanks for keeping track. Well, I look. I understand. You ha- there's a record of it. So what have you been up to? Uh, for the past one year and six months. Yeah. Well, it's September now, so let's go. We'll go back to March 2011. I think it was actually May. But so okay. I'm, ra- I'm rounding up. I understand. So May 2011, the yeah. uh, the last comic tour was over. Mm-hmm. Uh, still is. St- yep, and it is still over. Not touring uh, with those guys anymore. Though I fuck I did em. I did see Tommy this week, Tommy Johnigan. And what did you say? I said fuck him. Oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. I saw him and I fucked him. Uh, <laughs> and he had a baby. That's how how hard I fucked him. That shows a miracle. Uh, him having a baby. The, well, the fact that it came out of that show. Oh yeah. Last uh, comic standing is like the godparent of your show. Of your baby, except it got canceled. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, yeah, the the parent is dead, <laughs> the, and my baby with Tommy, that he's going to raise with his girlfriend, and she thinks she had it. So we're going to let that. I'm fine with okay. that. I yeah, don't have to enough. give any support. I just have to, you know, be like, hey, Tommy, once in a while. Is the kid's name Tommy? Like, that's how you were? Oh, that's exactly right. Tommy named his baby girl Tommy. Tommy Jr. I do forget what he named his, his Tommy. TJ. Uh, probably. Tommy Jr. He did also just recommend to me, he's a, a traveling comedian. Uh, he's you know, sure. been on the road many a year. So I trust him for a thing like, I'm like, I didn't have a rolly suitcase, you know, like a wheelie suitcase. Mm-hmm. I don't know if those are the technical terms. A rolly wheelie. <laughs> uh, so I'm like, Tommy, where do you get a, what, what's, what do you recommend for a rolly wheelie? And he, do you know what he recommended? A to me. Okay. He recommended, Tommy recommended to me, to me. <laughs> and, and did you pick it up yet? I've got it. I have it for this very, this trip is the first big trip that I've taken it on, and it is perfect. And uh, Mike Kaplan, you are here to represent the Toomey brand They're today. super. They're, yep. you know, they're not the cheapest, but they are uh, possibly the best. I haven't tried them all, but uh, Tommy may have. Have you tried to, like, fuck with the bag at all? Like, uh, kick it, drop some things on it, drop the bag itself to no. see what durability? I don't think I did. I haven't I haven't tried to. I don't think I will. I think that the world will do that. Okay. Uh, as need be. Or just baggage handlers. Yep. Some, yeah, I, I usually handle it myself. Do you have an official airline? I do Delta. You go with Delta. 
How's that going for you? It's great. I, I, they became my number one accidentally. Like yeah. I didn't even know, you know, for most of my life, for the first, you know, 30-ish years of my life, I would just fly, you know, either... As a kid, I didn't have anything to say. But like, they were, we're going to visit Grandma on what airline? Are we getting my miles? Like, yeah. I wish, I wish they had known at the time. Would have been amazing. I would have been real close to. I mean, we flew like twice a year to Florida to see my yeah, platinum but, greyhound status. Absolutely, but uh, you know, as a kid, I think we mostly did fly Delta actually. But uh, we would just, you know, as an, as a grown up, when I would fly, I would just be like, oh, what's the cheapest? Let me just get there the most efficient way possible on whatever airline. But then on the last, it was actually the last comic tour that they would set up our flights and. We had, you know, we gave them our frequent flyer. I guess I did sign up for it at some point, but just didn't care, didn't know what it did. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, one time, somebody was like, can you check this bag for me? And I was like, sure. And they were like, yep, that's free. And I was like, why is it free? They're like, because you flew 25,000 miles on Delta, silly. And I was like, so I get free things? And then I started doing Delta all the time. And then, you know, you fly enough. And if you're flying certain flights, you'll get bumped up to first class. You'll get uh, special offers. Yeah, that happens, you know, a good amount of time now. So how do you feel like when you get on the plane first as first class and everybody walks by you? Better than everyone. Yeah. You good with that? Uh, yeah, I, I flew. I was sitting next to Tom Brokaw last week or the week yeah. before. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't actually even realize it uh, because I just he was a man sitting, and I was like, I believe I'm in the seat next to you. And he said, There you go. And then I was sitting there, and as people were coming on, I was reading. He was reading, and somebody was like, Mr. Brokaw, I really like your book. <laughs> and I, then my ears perked up, and I was like, Mr. Brokaw. He said that to this guy, Mr. How does he know who this guy is? How does he know his name's Brokaw? It, it's Tom Brokaw. Tom Brokaw is next to me, which is funny because I mean, it's cool to be sitting next to a famous person if you like that sort of thing, which I do. We like as humans experiences. Well, there's different sorts of famous things. Sure. If you're sitting next to a comedian or, you know, an actor. If it's somebody that you care about, whose work that you like, like Tom Brokaw isn't a guy that I have watched specifically a ton myself. I don't get my news, or I haven't gotten most of my news in my life from Tom Brokaw, but he is a guy who I know other people respect, other people love and trust, and actually one of my best friends uh, his father worked at NBC with Tom Brokaw, so I had like I had a thing to talk to him about. Also, when I did Letterman last year, Tom Brokaw was the other guest. Oh, okay. So I was like, Tom Brokaw, uh, I believe, you know, and I liked I liked <laughs> that I sensed him being like, oh, here's a person just talking to me about how I'm Tom uh, Brokaw. You read my book. Yep. But I was like, hey, I know nothing about you other than we were on television together. Yeah. And he was like, oh, and then we had like a ten minute, fifteen minute conversation. You were on an excellent program together. Uh, it was it was super. And he, we talked. He talked to me about Dave Letterman and sure. about some of his other f- people who are friends with him, like Dave Letterman. He's like, oh, like you know, Michael Keaton and Tom Hanks. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I was like, wow, you have my friend is Sam, who is your friend Mark's son. So did he tell you David Letterman's story? And then you're like, yeah, no, I I know. I was on Letterman. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know all this Letterman stuff. Too. I know everything about that one time that I was on Letterman with you. <laughs> you don't have to tell me which green room I was in. That's kind of a cool thing to. Be like, yeah, we were on Letterman together. It was, it was. I mean, it was super. That was a great celebrity to be next to. Yeah. For somebody that whose work I only know about and not much of, uh, that I had that thing to talk to him about, uh, which was cool. Uh, I mean, just it was weird. We were both going to Minneapolis on a Tuesday. Oh. Now, also sometimes with celebrities, you see them and they look totally different from what you know because they're on television. Was it like you didn't recognize him because it's like, oh, I didn't know Tom Brokaw was five foot two and I think he was pale. wearing a hat. Okay. Legitimately. And sure. I believe in my, I was like, Tom Brokaw doesn't wear a hat, but uh, Tom Brokaw can wear a hat. Was it a snazzy fedora or was it like a Yankee cap? I feel like it was like a ball cap. I could, this part, I could be making things up. Yeah. I don't pay attention to people's clothing frequently. 
But I also just know that I don't have in my mind, like Tom Brokaw isn't a guy that I think about what he looks like a lot. Yeah, okay, fair so, enough. And most, and that's the, I would answer your question, like when I'm, when I'm in first class and people are, or when I've gotten on the plane first and people are whizzing past me, I don't, I mostly am just like reading or doing a thing. I'm not like, you people, I don't, there's no schadenfreude of like, <laughs> oh, get, get back to steerage, you folks. You don't high five them as they go by? Uh, I mean, if they, if they post up for it. Yeah. I don't. I don't phase away, phase away. I don't phase away from a high five because that's not a thing that people do. But uh, I don't fade away from one. I don't <laughs> fend myself. I don't fend them off. I don't do anything with a. That's foot. sort of what you're known for. Phasing, fending. Not none of that. None of that. Yeah. No, no, no. You're, I'm, you're I'm open pretty to famous you. for. Yeah, yeah, I'm a non-fender. Yeah. Do you feel like Tom Brokaw was a uh, like feeling a little awkward? Like I did Letterman with this guy, but I don't want to be that guy who brings it up. He's trying to have a nice Tuesday flight to Minneapolis. I am. I can. Almost guarantee you that that is nothing like what he felt or thought, uh, because he actually left after his segment and ah. did not know who I. If I had told him, guess what we've done together, yeah, he would have been like, ridden on a plane. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, but uh, yeah, he definitely told me he was like, I'm sorry, I didn't see your set. I left right after, and I was like, not a problem at all. You're Tom Brokaw. He's like, yeah, you Jewish fellows are usually pretty hysterical on the television set. Pretty good impression. Pretty good impression. He did not say that, but uh, could have been thinking that. I'm not, I will not guarantee he wasn't thinking that. That's me assuming he's not Jewish. Fair enough. I don't know. Is uh, Brokaw a Jewish, Jewish surname? It doesn't sound like it to me, mm. but I also, I have no idea. Could be short for... Uh, Brokowitz. Brokowitz. You're thinking of Aaron Brockovich. Uh, I, now Julia I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that you can, whenever you, if you ever say to somebody, you're thinking of this. And if they're like, no, I'm, I wasn't. Well, you are now because yeah. I made you. <laughs> I like that. You have the That's power not, to put yeah. things in people's heads. What if you, if I was like, it, only if you were like, you're thinking of Aaron Brockovich. And I was like, who's that? I don't know. I don't have a thing that I, if yeah. I didn't know who it was, then I couldn't be thinking of it. Yeah. Fair enough. Her. Not it. Didn't like that movie. It's a movie. Oh, uh, yeah. It's yeah, an I'm a big Julia Roberts fan. Uh, you know, I would also categorize myself as not a bit. When you say you're not a big fan, do you mean you dislike it? Do you actively not enjoy her? I feel like uh, I've spent a large part of my life for the world trying to be like, she's attractive, she's hot, she's talented. You have to love her. I've been like, eh. I understand. Eh. So you, uh, you are not a fan actively in opposition to people who are like trying to convince you that you should be a fan. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah, she is presented yeah. as this, you know, beautiful icon. Yeah. And she is not my... Not, I wouldn't kick her out of bed, you know, right? If Julia's listening, but uh, no, she's not the first person that I would uh, be attracted to. Have you had sex with her? I have not had sex with Julia Roberts nor Tom Brokaw. I believe you. I don't, I don't know why I trust you. I'm an honest guy. Maybe it's because it's your second time on the show. I feel like we've built something. Uh, there's a bond here. There's a, you know, I see you on Twitter. I'm like, oh, trustworthy guy. Yeah, you never saw anything on Twitter about me. Uh, Either having or not having sex with her. So well, here's here's one reason why I know you're trustworthy, or especially peculiar. It's one or the other. But so in terms of what you've been doing in the past year and a half, you've launched a new podcast. Now, uh-huh. how did you do that with what everybody does these days? Kickstarter. Uh, oh yeah, I, I like not. I I love Kickstarter, the concept of it, because it's just like you know people who want to do things, and I like when people do things. I like when people want to do things and take steps towards doing them, because that's. I think what life is mostly about, or it's not doing things, uh, it's doing and not doing. I'm I'm into Buddhism these days as well. Uh, But, you know, when people find what they love or, you know, think that they have an idea of what they want to do. uh, So I wanted, I was like, 
the first thing I did with Kickstarter was just a fun Kickstarter thing that wasn't even really a thing, uh, just for the fun of it. But then you I asked like, for a dollar. I did ask for a dollar yeah. as a conceptual art project. I might have uh, put you over the top. You could have. I think personally, you could have. You, if you were the first or the, there were 162 people that gave me at least a dollar. I think I was one of them, but I could, but I forget. You maybe, could be wrong. You, you better one. give me a dollar before I leave here, just in case. Sure, I could do that. I did actually just send off the letter. That I said, the reason I was raising a dollar was to uh, have enough to get a stamp and an envelope (laughs) to put a letter into, to send to Kickstarter, to ask them, what is conceptual art? Does this count as it? This project of asking what conceptual art is? Uh, And they accepted that as a project of conceptual art initially. I mean, they accepted it. That's why it became... They could have refused it to be a project altogether, and you never would have known about it. So, so that's a thing. They can say, yeah, we don't think this is a good Oh, yeah, that happens to people. Yeah. And I sort of... And I asked in the letter, like... It would, if somebody claims that something is conceptual, because there's a lot of different categories. Like, you can't just go and be like, I want to raise money for my life. I want to raise money for a charity and call it, you know, a movie. Like, you have to call it either a movie or, you know, uh, like an album or like, there's very specific categories. But if you try to do, yeah, this is going to be a movie, but we're not going to use cameras. Yeah, it's sort of a conceptual movie. But that's the thing about conceptual art is, by definition... Uh, there, it doesn't have a specific form. Fair enough. As far as I know, I don't know. I, I'm okay. not positive what it is, but that's my that's my concept of conceptual but that's, art. So you look into how to do this Kickstarter thing, and you see that the category conceptual art, you're like, oh, that's me. Yeah, my initial idea was to just to be like, I'm going to make a video, try to raise a dollar, and be like, hey, everybody, I'm trying to raise a dollar from anyone who thinks that it's worth giving a dollar t- to somebody who made a video like this, just asking for a dollar because it's funny or it's a, a weird thing. Like, hey, you like a weird thing like this? Give me a dollar. It's isn't it funny to ask for a dollar? It's not. Doesn't matter. Don't give me one. Uh, you made four hundred. I made four hundred, about four hundred dollars from people who want because I had to hone in, and I called it conceptual art because that was one of the categories that I was like, I think this could be conceptual art. Is it? Uh, and yeah, so I got the four hundred dollars, and actually just put out a video uh, yesterday, or by the time this comes out, a few days ago, a past. week ago, yeah, recently in September of two thousand twelve, mm-hmm. I put out, I made a video describing what I did with the overage because I didn't obviously need all of that four hundred dollars to uh to send a letter to kickstarter (laughs) i did have to i did need more than a dollar because uh the letter actually ended up being about 20 pages long oh because uh if people donated ten dollars then they would get their own page in the letter oh (laughs) and about 18 people did that now i'm confused was that supposed to was that uh kickstarter account having something to do with your podcast or is that totally separate i have a separate kickstarter that i started for my podcast two kickstarter i asked for a dollar for both of them this is where I'm screwed up. It, I mean, you're not screwed up. You probably, I, you said you wanted to raise a dollar, and I jumped to the other one. Okay, well, uh, I mean, I literally have two therapists, I see, so maybe I'm a little screwed up. I understand. Oh, related. yeah. And as long as you remember to go to the right therapist at the right time, and now we're going to the right Kickstarter at the right time. One of them has great parking, the other one has terrible parking. And so, so you, go to the, you go to the one for the parking and the one for the advice? Well, the one with the good parking is uh, further away. It's by my old office, so it's not as convenient, but they provide different services. You really go to two therapists? Well, I have a psychiatrist and a therapist. Okay. And the psychiatrist is new. Are they just for dosing you, or do you talk to them as well? The therapist is just for chat. The, uh, the psychiatrist is new, because we're, uh, we're talking about dosing. Okay. Yeah. You haven't started dosing yet. Well, uh, I have, so okay. we're, ta- we're still talking about we're it. We're talking about it yeah. and doing it. Yeah. I like it. You remember? I'm the kind of guy who likes people who do things. <laughs> That's right. You're like, I want to have something in my body. Can that- I do a Kickstarter page for antidepressants? Uh, unclear. Would that maybe? Maybe it would be mm. conceptual art. Oh, yeah. So I asked them, 
what would not be conceptual art? If somebody said something was conceptual art and you said it wasn't, like, what would, what would it take for that? So that's the, the answer. I'm going to wait for that answer. And if I get an answer from them, I'll make a new video. But for right now, you can check out the video that's there. Check out the Kickstarter page. But yeah, more, more straightforwardly, I made, uh, I wanted to start a podcast that I, would, that I wanted to do anyway. I would certainly invest my own money in, in a podcast. But I thought it would be cool to get other people involved. And there's like cool like rewards where if people donated a certain amount of money, they would get Ooh. a private video sent to them uh, or, you know, their name mentioned on the show or they could contribute a question or a topic or a word to the show. Uh, and so it was mostly just to get the word out. Uh, but then, yeah, it raised a fair amount of money as well. That's not bad. So you get some gear, you get some uh, web space. Yes, and I mean, I'm also actually working with a producer who has a, a podcast network now that he has begun called the Cool Super Cool Network. I don't know this. Uh, it is in New York, okay. and it's they've just started launching podcasts, I'd say in the past month or two. So it's a brand new network, and mm -hmm. mine, be, mine launches the very last day, the very last minute of September 2012. So if it's after September 2012, that's not the way you say that. So You could, though, 2012. <laughs> Why not? In September of 2012... Uh, the podcast Hang Out With Me uh, launches, has launched, will launch. Depending. First guest, Tom Brokaw. Is uh, that true? I wish. Can you get Brokes? Uh, I will. I'll go for Broke on this one. Yeah. But, uh, oh, Broke. Oh. So, uh, he is not a guest yet, yeah. but we've got some cool ones coming out. I've recorded, I've banked a bunch of them, recorded uh, a couple dozen so far. And there's not a lot of times, uh, sorry to cut you off, no? there's not a lot of times I'm excited for like a new comedian podcast. I'll say this is one of them, however. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I also, I understand, I feel the same. I mean, obviously I don't, uh, I can't, you can't listen to everything. There's too, no. there's too many things. Sure. Uh, so you have to pick and choose. And so people who will listen, people who do listen, I, I thank them. I, and I understand if one thing that I'm doing to try and help people, uh, because there's a few that I love that are really long. that I'm like, oh, I, I want to listen. But it's two or two and a half hours sometimes, and I love it, but I just don't, I don't have the time. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I, people listen on double speed. I don't know if that's a trick that you're familiar with. No, I know, I know people do that, but uh, I think because I like to listen to a lot of comedy stuff. Yeah. I like the organic the, You speed. need the timing. Yeah. And for my thing, I probably talk double speed a lot anyway. Yeah. So, but I've made, the goal is for my podcast to be 45 minutes each time. Uh, I have a conversation with two people. Uh, myself, two others. We have a conversation for 45 minutes. If it's, we get to the end of the, around that, it's not a, a hard time, a hard limit. Mm -hmm. uh, but we get around there, we stop. If we're like, oh man, that was so great, I'll have the guests back on in other combinations with other people. So okay. people get excited. And if 45 minutes is too long, we also then have a bonus 10-minute version where we, uh, the same guests will recap uh, <laughs> everything that we talked about in the 45-minute okay. version. It sometimes doesn't work. It sometimes ends up we saying new things. But mm -hmm. it's just... If you like the 45 and you wanted more, there's 10 more. If you were like, 45, too much, start with the 10. I like people in combinations. I, uh, I, it's been great. Like Initially, I didn't know if I was going to have like a co-host or a rotating co-host mm -hmm. or just me and one person, but I started doing it with two people at a time, and it's really cool. It's, a, it's good because you can, two people can be having an interaction, and the other person can be you know, listening and then sort of thinking about what they want to add to it and where they're going to jump in. It doesn't put any real pressure on any one specific person to carry the conversation. Like there's sure. everybody's there. It's a, it's a good team. Three's a, three's a good number. So who do you have coming up? Are you, are you focusing on comedians or are you going to go think outside the box a little bit? I am. I, I think both of those things, like most of the people, I, I want to have interesting people on. I want to have people that I like, that are fun, that are doing cool things, that are my friends, like any combination of those things. 
like it's cool to when you have a podcast you can be like hey like you're a person that i know of mm-hmm. and you're cool and i would love to hang out with you but if you just didn't have a podcast, you'd be like, do you want to just come yeah. over and talk in my house? Sure. Uh, they'd be like, that seems like a strange thing, even though you could have a fun time. Yeah. But if you're like, there'll be microphones there, we'll have a conversation, and then other people will hear it, uh, then, they, then they're like, fine. Like, I, uh, this, I'm coming up, I'm recording A.J. Jacobs, who is an author who I love. I don't know who that is. He wrote a book most recently called Drop Dead Healthy. He's sort of a, I don't know if he, he describes himself like this, but I think of him as like a Morgan Spurlock of writing. Okay. Uh, you're familiar with Morgan Spurlock, who's done like the, you know, supersize me. And he does all sure, of like. great goatee. He puts, him thing, he puts himself through experiences mm-hmm. in movie form and like, you know, documents them. He's a documentarian. Uh, and so A.J. Jacobs is like a, a documentarian. He's like a journalist, but he'll write about these experiences he has. Like my, my favorite book of his is called The Year of Living Biblically, where he <laughs> spent a year. Uh, aiming to follow all the rules of the Bible, Old and New Testament. Hmm. Not all at not all at once if he could, because some of them conflicted. Yeah. But he would go to like you know rabbis and priests and like biblical scholars to be like, well, this says this part says this, this part says this. What am I to actually do to follow the instructions as huh. literally as possible? And it was a really cool. Uh, like look at this, you know, sort of practical and spiritual journey. Yeah. So that's one thing he did. Uh, and then the first book he wrote was called The Know-It-All, or just Know-It-All, where he spent a year reading all of the full version of the Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> and then the most recent one is uh, about, so that was, he did Mind and Spirit, and now he's, he's, the most recent one is Body. It's called Drop Dead Healthy, or I think he spent two years aiming to get his body in as, uh, good every part of it like reading up how do I treat my lungs the best and my ears how, what do I what kind of headphones should I have should I you know how do I stay in shape aerobically what kind of you know exercising meditating you know all those things so he's a really interesting dude is that book out yet that book is out I've read it and it it's, it's also great um, and see, like, that sounds exciting. Yeah, I learned, I've learned some things about it, too. He was, like, yeah. uh, reading that, co- he's, like, coffee is, like, caffeine is good for you in small, like, you know, a cup or two of coffee a day is good. He's, like, green tea is even better. I'm, like, oh, great. I don't like coffee. I do like tea. So mm-hmm. I've, I've upped my green tea intake because okay. of this guy. So anyway, he's, I, I saw him be interviewed on, like, a show at the UCB in New York, the Upright Citizens Brigade. He was on, like, a, a live radio show taping. And so you I, were just there as a guest, or, were you, or I'm sorry, in the audience. I was watching my fr- – a good friend of mine was a producer on the show, mm-hmm. so uh, she introduced me to him, and I got his email, and, uh, and he was just very forthcoming. And I was like, I would love to have you on the show. He's like, I would be happy to do it. Uh, so he's a guy – uh, I had I've interviewed the author of Final Destination, the movie. Okay, the yeah, first, yeah. I think I think the first two movies he was involved with. So the concept was his. Uh, the concept was his. Because that's all that really matters for the I, movies. He, I mean, yeah. yeah, he and he's a guy who I met because I told a joke about Final Destination. Yeah, you have a great bit on Last Comic Standing, yeah. and he saw it and emailed me right after and was like, "Hey, you wrote a joke about my movie. Uh, sorry, you don't like the movie because <laughs> in, in the in the joke I don't like the movie because that's how the joke has to go. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I actually really like the movie. The and then yeah. we. We became sort of like, you know, e-pen pals, and I was like, I started a podcast. I'd love for you to be on it, and he said, cool. Uh, so like, had- I have a vision of doing your podcast, and it sucks. <laughs> and, uh, but then he did it, and, uh, you know, a good podcast is stalking him from now on. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so he's, he'll be a guest upcoming. There will be many comedians, some yeah. writers, some storytellers. Uh, a good uh, a non-comedian I guess it's interesting because sometimes storytelling and comedian will and comedy will overlap mm-hmm. like I have a friend Adam Wade who is a, a, a wonderful poignant and also hilarious storyteller 
uh, does mostly like storytelling shows, like the Moth Circuit. He does. He's he's a I think won the Moth Grand Slam like eighteen oh. times. He is uh, he's a master of storytelling, mm-hmm. and uh, and he's a super nice, fun guy. And mm-hmm. so I had a great time talking to him. Uh, and then just a lot of comedians, uh, a number of comedians who are friends of mine. Uh, both I've recorded some in LA, most in New York, because that's where. So the, you you live in Brooklyn, right? I live in Brooklyn. You and record out of your home, or you go somewhere else? Out of uh, my producer, uh, he has a studio set up in also in Brooklyn, so near my home. But that's where the cool, super cool studios are centered. So now we're in Hollywood. We are, which is like the ideal location for LA podcasting. What's the best physical location for podcasting in New York? Whereas it's like. Oh, you live in there? I don't know about being It is a little, I mean, for people who are coming from Manhattan, it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it could be a half hour uh, subway ride or more, depending how far they're coming from. But uh, everybody's been pretty, you know, people have been willing to do it. Uh, they, I have, and we also, with the funds that I've raised for the Kickstarter, if people are like, that's too far away, I need to take, a, you, I need a taxi or a car or something, you know, if it's uh, somebody who I think would be, I'm like, it's worth Spending some of this Kickstarter capital to yeah. get you here. If you won't do it otherwise, then I'll go for it. That's not bad. Car service. Yep. I like that. A lot of podcasts don't offer that. Uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. They, they could. They sh- uh, there's no reason that they... I'm not, I'm not doing anything that anyone else can't. Yeah. I'm not special, guys. I'm just a guy with a podcast and a Kickstarter that started it. Do you think you're the last remaining white guy to finally get a podcast? I don't know. I definitely, for a while... Here's the thing. I, was, I wanted one. Yeah. But I also okay. wanted I wanted to have it, but I didn't want to go through all the rigmarole of yeah. you know like I want to I want to know other languages, but I don't want to spend the time and effort. You know, you'd want to just take a pill or like in the Matrix, be like, oh, I know kung fu, you know that kind of thing. Uh, or I know the Bradley Cooper movie Limitless, where you I, take the smart pill, which we were discussing earlier. Yeah, I uh, I want to speak the language of kung fu, is what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, cool. and then be in a movie called Limitless Two. See you later, Bradley Cooper. That's uh, that's the subtitle of that movie. Um, I'd see that. Yep, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch that while I'm out here <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> later today, uh, before I go home. Uh, yeah, I I wanted to make a, I wanted a podcast, and this guy Dave, the cool, super cool overseer, cool uh, Dave, cool Dave, super cool Dave. Uh, it's not Dave Bacon. It's not my dad, is it? No, I don't think it is. No, he lives in Scottsdale, Arizona. Different guy. I dated a girl who lived in Scottsdale. It was my mom. Oh, Wait, yeah. was it Susie Bacon? Uh, yeah, it was. Oh, that's weird. Um, it wasn't. Six degrees of Susie Bacon. <laughs> Uh, you probably get that a lot. She, uh, she doesn't get around that much. Oh, fair enough. She's been married to my dad for a while. Only one degree then. As far as I know. I don't think they swing. Uh, well. You, I know you're a polyamorous prob- guy. They probably wouldn't tell you. I do operate in non-monogamy. That is true. We talked about that last yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, still still going and even more successful at this point. I'd like to uh, seg from the interesting podcasting topic to the less interesting sex topic. Fair enough. Actually, no. I think they're both interesting. Agreed. But, uh, I appreciate you, it. But you, uh, you're not into monogamy, but you're uh, essentially, well, a lot of people are not into monogamy, but I think they're assholes about it because they keep it a secret. Yes. You wear it on your sleeve. Uh, I do. I tell people up front before we start dating, uh, generally, that that is the structure that I would like my life to subsist in. Subsist? I don't know if that's the right word. Sorry, I used a word. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm, that's that I don't want lifelong monogamy and but i mean i would be happy to be with one person for most of my life or all of my life if it's the person if it's a person who is the way i say it to be with the one who will let me be with others uh and even it's not like that it has to happen every week or every month or every you know uh it, it it has happened i am dating a girl now uh who is on board with me and what i want 
and we we love each other, and she is, you know, the one currently. Did she bring that to the table, or was this something you're like, hey, this is what I'm into? She's like, all right, I'll sign up. Uh, she had listened to me talk on podcasts before we met. She was a fan uh, of my comedy and such. And I love it. So this is something that's happened in the past year and a half, to yeah. answer. Okay. Uh, this was towards the end of last year. I met her at a show, and... Uh, and then we started talking and hanging out, and she told me that she had, you know, listened to all the things that I'd said about this topic, so she understood. Uh, and even though eventually, once we started getting more serious and became officially, for whatever that means, boyfriend and girlfriend, uh, we had a, a conversation about what that would mean for the structure of our relationship. Uh, and it wasn't her, you know, it wasn't her for if if she, it was totally up to her, it probably wouldn't have been this way, but. She understands that, it, uh, hmm. you know, we are both in this together. And she, some people have said when they've, heard, when they've heard me talk about this, like, do you think she's just, you know, acquiescing and she's silently, you know, either mad or resentful or hoping that it's otherwise? And uh, I don't think that's the case because she then listened to a podcast where somebody asked me that <laughs> and she was like, that's not what I'm doing. Like, she know, like, number one, she's an adult. She's a rational human being. She's a great person. She's smart. And she can make her own decisions for herself. And we had, we had a conversation where I was like, this is what I want and what I can do. And she's like, I will. I will. Si- I am signing on. Like, I, yeah, I I'm like into it. it. And it's, uh, it, it is not a one-sided thing. So I don't want to get too much into her business. Sure. Uh, well, I like that uh, podcasting is such a big part of your relationship. So far. She's like, hey, what's going on with Mike? Let yeah. me listen to a show. It's true. She'll probably listen to this. Yeah. Hey. Right. What's up? I he- love you. Heather. That's not her name. I'm talking to somebody else. Understood. Who oh, listen hey. to the show. Hey, Heather. There could be Heather listening. Yeah, Heather, if you're listening, hello. But you're not my girlfriend. Uh, and But yeah, so it's worked out super. And even just having had that conversation is so relaxing because yeah, I've been in, because yeah. she's wonderful. I love being with her. And like when, for a while she was in Boston and I was in New York and I would go visit there a lot. Uh, and now she lives in New York. And so we can, we see each other more regularly. And it's not like, you know, that, oh, out of sight, out of mind. But it's like, you know, you want to be there. Are, you know, a human has wants and needs sometimes. Like I am on the road sometimes. Mm-hmm. So it's just nice to know that, you know, if I, if somebody after a show is like, that was really cool, let's make out, you know, or whatever, mm-hmm. then that's allowed. And I don't even have to do it with everybody who wants to. Like, I can just do it when Which it's... Which is true no matter what. It is. Uh, it's, that's true. But there are times, the, the worst case I found, in a mon- when you're in a monogamous relationship, and then you have the opportunity to do something with someone, that but you're not quote unquote allowed to mm-hmm. like that can make you feel bad i mean for some people they won't for some people they're like no my relationship is important and it's all i need and it's all i want and it's nice to know that this person wants me but i don't want to do anything with them because i love this other person but some for some people i'm sure it's like oh i want to do something with this person <laughs> uh, and either you feel conflicted and like the way it was for me i'd be like i i think i would have felt like i was missing out on one thing one way or the other like i don't want to lie to the person that I'm with if it is a monogamous relationship. I don't want to wrong them. I don't want to hurt them. Because I, you know, I have been in situations where wronging has occurred. Uh, Like when I, when I was younger, I uh, cheated on a girlfriend uh, a little bit Mm -hmm. and then told her about it later when, when she asked, we, we actually broke up for other reasons, then almost got back together. And she's like, did anything happen with that girl? And I said, yes. 
and she was like, I thought so. And then <laughs> the the nice coda of this story is she then went and married this other guy who she almost she almost cheated on, but for the fact that we had had that experience. Uh, because I had been away, I'd been away from her for the summer and met this girl and was like, oh man, I sort of have feelings for this girl, but oh, she has a, she has a boyfriend. I have a girlfriend. We just became really close friends. So sort of like this emotional cheating was occurring. Hmm. But we're like, but that's fine, right? We're not doing anything. And then we kissed and we're like, yeah, but that's like the same. We were already emotionally cheating. You know, you can, <laughs> you justify it in your head. But so I was trying, I had tried to explain that to the girl that I was dating and she was like, I don't understand how you could be, say you're in love with me, but then also have feelings for this other person and she didn't I was like but it was the case I did I could and then she went away and told went later years later she told me uh, once she was married she was like I went away and had this the exact same experience where I had my the my husband to be back at home but I met somebody and we connected and I didn't do anything I didn't act on it but without having known you know that your side of the thing that mm. oh it does I don't have to do anything like, you never have to act on something. But sometimes I think when you're in a monogamous mindset, you can get it, you can get into the mistake, mistaken mindset of like, oh my God, if I have feelings, if I have an attraction, if I have a crush on somebody who's not my mate, my partner, my, the person that I've chosen to be with, that either means that now I'm not in love with them anymore because I can only be in love with one person. I feel like now I am like lusting after this person. That could mean that there's a problem with my relationship. What, why, why do I have this feeling for this person when I supposedly care for this person? Like the fact of the matter is you can care for multiple people at a time and it's just a matter of being honest with yourself and those people about what you want and expect from them. Uh, and so, yeah, so I'm, what was the question? I'm happy. The question is, uh, what have you been up to lately? Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, uh, it's that stuff. Pra- practicing all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. I, uh, I like, I like that it's a flag you wear, like that, that you do it and it, it it's, uh, you know, maybe it doesn't work every day, but no, I mean, well, it, well, it works. I mean, my life I'm, I'm alive yeah, and, yeah. and happy most days. Well, it's a point of view you have. It is. And uh, you run with it. Well, it's like, I honestly feel like these days non-monogamy or polyamory which i think polyamory has certain connotations that you know indicate may, i mean maybe it's a broad umbrella that includes all of these things i think of mo- non-monogamy as like a larger category of it could be you have a partner and you go to a swingers club once a month mm-hmm. or or once a year or it could be you have you know polyamory i think of more as like oh many loves is what it means yeah. so it could be like a three-way relationship it could be you know two people in a relationship where each of them has another boyfriend or girlfriend on the side or you do a lot of threesomes there's lots of different ways it can go uh and right now i mean it's such a it's such sort of a new thing that it's public it's a much more like there's the book the ethical slut i think came out recently or it's been more popularized recently uh dan savage's podcast and his he's been his profile has been raised uh and there was a big thing in the new york times where he discussed uh like the i think he called it like something like the virtues of infidelity (laughs) because he's about like families staying together and acknowledging that over the course of 50 to 60 years, like very few couples are completely monogamous, like whether they want to be or not. And so just having in mind that one person going outside of a relationship or both doesn't mean has to be the end of that relationship. And in fact, you can set up things like he, he coined the term monogamish, which is great (laughs) where like he's been with his husband almost 20 years. Like they have a son uh, that they adopted and, uh, they have, I think he went on Colbert and told him over that time, the Colbert asked how many extracurricular, how many extra marital 
instances have there been? And at that time, it was like they were together 17 years and there'd been like nine extramarital situations. So it was just like to have it as like a release valve, to have it be, to know that you can and the, you don't mm-hmm. have to. But I feel like that the, the concept of non-monogamy today is sort of like uh, homosexuality was, you know, 50 years okay. ago. Yeah. Like in that, as far as like it being like a closet for a lot of, like there are people out there doing it successfully. You, a lot of the times you hear, like I went on uh, Alison Rosen's podcast, mm-hmm. Uh, which is Alison Rosen is your new best friend. And do you know her? She is, uh, she's on the Adam Carolla yeah, show. Yeah, I don't know her personally. I know who she is. Uh, but she's cool. Uh, and I like her podcast and it was fun. I talked to her a lot about this stuff as well. And then people on the Adam Carolla message boards started like uh, shitting on the, the things that I was talking about because they were like, one guy specifically was like, and then I went and I interacted with them and I think I, I, think I changed a few minds. I think right. I, I at least humanized and like ra- made the position, made, made my points clear because they were, I think they were sort of setting up these straw men and like be, one guy was like, if you live that way, you must be, you know, sort of flawed psychologically because, and he, his idea was everyone that I've listened to on Loveline, like who called in, he's like, we listen to a lot of Loveline. Everyone who calls in and mm-hmm. is like, I'm polyamorous, I'm non-monogamous. They all had like these really weird or like screwed up situations or childhoods. So it's like everyone who has that, that I've seen is no good. And I'm yeah. like, well, that's because they're the ones who are calling in for help. They're, if you have a non-monogamous situation or a, or a monogamous, if you have a good, re- healthy relationship going on, if you're happy, then you're not calling up Loveline sure, to be like, enough. hey, I'm happy. You, so you have a very skewed sample of people who are admittedly having trouble. You should have Dr. Drew on your show. I, I would love to. I would love to have Dr. Drew or Adam Carolla or, you know, any. I like, I'm, I'm, I'm hopefully gonna do it forever as long as I can keep doing it. So all these people, if, if they're listening and want to be on the show. Hey, good plan. Super. I'll try to get to everybody. There's 7 billion people. I'm gonna get to everybody. I should go yeah. with old people first. Old, unhealthy, sick, fat, like all the people who are like at biggest risk of leaving the world soon. Or you can go with the youngest people just to get, just to get it out of the way. I guess so, but then, uh, but then the old people will probably die unless I, you know what I should go with is the people who are most likely to do enough research to make life extend because that'll give me enough time. <laughs> I'll be older, longer. I'll be able to be alive longer. Everybody else will. And you imagine uh, how many lovers you'll have had by that point. That'll be super. I'll have them all on. Heather, I don't know who you are. Uh, from before, you're Heather. It, she doesn't have to be my Heather. No, just, no, she's just yours. Just a, she's yours. Just a listener. She's yours. Uh. But, you yeah, know, yeah, nobody, she, she's her own. She's her own <laughs> self. She doesn't belong to anyone but Heather. Heather, you're your own person. She's a strong, independent lady. Unless you want to be owned by somebody, if that's your thing, that's what you're into, then. Oh, slavery. Have you met K- Caleb? Yeah, there's definitely people who play, you know, uh, with power dynamics and are like master-slave relationships. Yeah. When it's consensual, you have to choose to be in that. Uh, I can but, say, not a fan of that personally. Yeah, you're, you don't have to be. Yeah. But if you're out there listening and you're a fan of it, then get into it. Get into it safely and responsibly with somebody else who is into it. I just felt like uh, throwing that viewpoint out there. Personally, I appreciate it's my it. my show. I can have opinions. You're uh, absolutely allowed to have opinions. But yeah, so non-monogamy today is, I think, coming out of the closet a little like, like it used to be when you were gay. And there were no, you know, no gay bars, no, like, gay city. Like, it would just be like, you know, back in, I don't know how long ago it would have to be. But there was a time when you'd be like, there were gay people and they mm-hmm. did gay things. But you had to be like, sort of underhanded. You'd be like, are, are you gay? You had, to, you had to, you know, rely on... The gayness of strangers, I guess. But uh, so you're polyamorous in truck stop bathrooms. Uh, no, I'm no. on podcast bathrooms. That's. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think just but by talking about it, by having people, I think everybody who is into it, uh, and you know feels good about it, and is like, this is what I want. Like uh, people are like reaching out to me when they hear me on podcast, and they're like, hey, 
that I really that really resonates with me. That's really cool. I'm happy yeah. that you're saying these things. Like I like your point of view. Or and some people are like, it's not for me, but I also am happy to to listen to it. I'm ha- like, it sounds reasonable. If you can do it, some people are like, I would love to do it. I would be jealous, or my girlfriend would be jealous, or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. But having the fact that there are people, I know there are people out there doing it happily, not talking about it, and they can, they can, and I think not not necessarily should, but the more people talk about it, the more faces, the more reasonable, human, healthy faces there are on it, the more people will be like, oh, that is a fine thing. Yeah. Has it, found, has it uh, found its way into your act? Oh, yeah. I talk about it some. I started writing stuff about it maybe like a year ago, and so... Uh, I just recorded for a new CD, a new oh, stand-up CD. Nice. I'm not sure the timeline on it as of this point, but uh, I know I talked about it on a few of the shows. I might, it might, I might edit it out of this one and use it to and build more about it for uh, the next one. Okay. Uh, but so it might not be on the next one, but definitely one or two CDs down the line. So you have a new CD out. I do currently as of this week. But it's a, it's a different type of new CD. It is. It is uh, a music and comedy CD uh, that I did with my good friend, Micah Sherman. It's called Please Be Seated. And so you're going to probably wait for your stand-up CD to come out if you just put this one out, right? Uh, oh, certainly. I mean, I just recorded some stuff uh, like a week or two ago. Oh, Actually, in, Min- in Minneapolis where I was flying uh-huh. uh, at the Acme Comedy Company. Uh, and... Yeah, that is. I'm excited. They were. That's a wonderful club. I love going there. It, they were, we did some great shows. So I'm really looking forward to what, whenever it happens. I'm excited about oh, cool. it. Cool. I look forward to it. But yeah, I appreciate it. So but you yeah. Have, so you have the new musical comedy CD. We do. We do have that. How did you get into that? Well, uh, I don't know if we talked about this last time, but I I started life, uh, and then four years later, I was playing the violin because my parents were music teachers and wanted uh. me to have a musical upbringing, and I did for years and years. Played the violin, hated it. I took up the guitar when I was about 15, taught myself, loved it. Uh, That's the thing about the summer camp that I go to was founded by a guy who was like, nobody has to go anywhere at any specific time. It was like he was taught by Maria Montessori. And he started this sort of like, you know, a a hippie, communy, you know, like uh, just artsy, crunchy. Like you just go. If you want to paint all day, you can do that. If you want to do theater all day, you can do that. If you want to do glass blowing all day, you have to sign up and you can't do it all day because everybody wants to do glass blowing. That's like Nick Nolte's house. Uh, Oh, yeah. Where I have been there. That's where I go. I go to my my summer camp was uh, Nick Nolte's house. But the the founder, Ernst Bulova, would always say... Uh, not always, but he said it once and I remembered it, that <laughs> children don't, children want to learn, but they don't want to be taught. So, and I found that completely when I was m- sort of oh, made, made to play the violin, but I chose to teach myself the guitar, played hours a day, yeah. way more than I ever practiced the violin because I loved it. And it was practicing, it was work, but it didn't feel like it. So you got the music in you. I, I do. And here's the thing is the, all the violin skills that were pushed into me. Uh, really helped when I when I took up the guitar. Yeah, so I yeah. I am conflicted about like whether whether children like if I teach somebody the guitar I've taught guitar lessons I'd like it uh, when they are cool when they're interested in it you know when they when I'm like do this and then they go away and they come back for their next lesson and they're like I've done it and I'm like well now I'll teach you the next thing sometimes they would go away come back and be like what was that again and I'm like well you're not going to learn as much and that's fine I mean, I wouldn't get mm, mad at them but I'm just right. like they they have to want to. So this new album, Please Be Seated, would not have happened if it weren't for your violin lessons. Probably wouldn't have. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I hadn't taken the violin, if I ever would have taught myself guitar, because I had a friend, 
I ta- I started picking up the guitar just because a friend had one, like, uh, and I just picked it up while he was in the bathroom, and I was like <laughs> messing around with it. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool, but I might not have known how to do anything if right. I hadn't played music. Yeah, stay in the bathroom longer. I'm yeah, complain. friend, Ari, come on, <laughs> eat some more, eat some more. I guess that will do it. Eat some more, whatever. Make the number two. Uh, but yeah, so he uh, he had that guitar. I eventually, my dad gave me his old guitar. And I started teaching myself and then got into comedy via guitar. Like I was originally wanted to be, I wanted to be a singer songwriter and I had some songs that were funny. That's why I started performing at a oh, comedy that's club. Right, that's right. Yeah. This rings a bell. Maybe and I heard it on another show, but it could be, I do, I do talk about it. So, uh, whenever people ask. So, na- just, so now with a new album, uh, you want me to play a song from it on this show? Sure. That'd is be it, great. That's within the legal bounds here. It is totally legit. All right. What song would you like me to play? Uh, the one of the first singles that we we released, we made two videos that are out right now, and there may be another one or okay. two coming. Uh, the videos are for the Comedians National Anthem and Bop Twenty Five, and Bop Twenty Five is the one. It's all about how we want. It's a it's a song specifically made for the radio, so I would recommend that one. So, okay, introduce it, and I'll put it in here. Uh, you know, it's I think it's introduced enough. Uh, the track has us talking about it at the beginning of it, uh, so I think I've said enough. And then once it starts, it'll be us talking, and then it'll go into the song. This is Mike Kaplan and Mike Sherman with Bop 25. Thanks. You might know that most of our songs aren't necessarily radio appropriate. <laughs> because you can't, you can't swear. You can't have nope. any real content. Any, that's, yeah, not, no real message. Uh, nothing really of any substance. It's got to just be like short and snappy, catchy, catchy sing-along. Yep. So we have tried to put all those things together. This is our, our radio, this hopefully radio hit, Bop 25. Take him to the bridge. No, not yet. Okay. Take him to the bridge. Did you know that if the Earth's resources were divided evenly, every person would have four acres of land? Get on the dance floor if you have a dance floor in your home, cause there is not one here. Motherfucking bop. We gotta take out that last part, but otherwise, radio, here we come. Bye. 
And we're back. Super. That was Bop 25, huh? Hey, oh yeah. How'd you like it? It was so boppy, it was so 25. It, you are it, absolutely, it is really boppy. It didn't, I didn't leave, uh, I didn't want. I understand. I feel, yeah, I it, feel satisfied. It has a lot in it. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate it. Thanks this for playing. This is an exciting time for you. It is. You got the new podcast. You got your conceptual art piece on Kickstarter. You got the uh, Bop 25. The new music album. Taking, taking over yeah. the nation. Uh, doing what I can. You got, your, you got your very healthy, nice relationship. I very happy. Yeah, no, I'm happy for you. It sounds good. Thank you very much. How so, are you? I'm sorry we didn't talk about you that uh, much. Uh, no, I'm good. I'm actually I'm in a new monogamous relationship. Congratulations! Which, uh, if that sounds like what you want. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, to be fair, I did pass up having sex with an off-duty stripper in Phoenix, Arizona. Wow. Uh, it was like, well, that's good. That that makes that's like good capital that you've invested in this relationship. Yeah, sure. Like you, did you come home and tell her that? Uh, it it did come up. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Like I could have slept with a stripper. And not because she was, I was going to pay her for it. Well, it was, kind of, yeah, it was kind of a weird conversation to have. Like, because on one hand, I don't want to be too ego, egoic. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is what I turn, up, turn down all the time. Oh, yeah. No, uh, it's not, it would be nice if she found out like in a, in a non-you way, right? If somebody else was like, can you believe that he did this? And he didn't even tell me, you know, like, wow, what a great guy he is. And you'd be like, no, that's just the right thing to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that would have been nice. You know, it. it uh, I kind of told her in uh, in a more broad way. Sure. About the broad. Yeah. And then later, later we talked about it again. I was like, yeah, she was an off duty stripper. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. Reasonable. Yeah, yeah. So I think they came came across. Congrats, man. You're the kind of, and you'll always have that. You're the kind of guy who an off duty stripper would have slept with. That's right. Yeah. Uh, an on duty stripper would have uh, had a lap dance. Absolutely. On me for twenty five dollars a song. Do you, have you have you had lap dances? Sure, yeah, I've, I've had plenty of lap dances. I never have. I don't know. It, it, like it's it's, sti- it's a stimulation you have to be into. Sure. Because some people are like, well, why would I want that if I can't have sex? It's like, well, it's not sex. It's a it's a whole different thing. Yeah, I I definitely. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to get too personal, mm-hmm. but and so feel free not to ask. But do most? I'll ask in general. When people have lap dances, do they touch themselves? Do they have orgasms? Just not, you know, inside a woman. Uh, no. There's no orgasm. It's not allowed that you that you have an orgasm. Uh, yeah, you're not supposed to. Okay. Yeah. Th- then that's just but, prostitution. But no. But if you had one accidentally, like if she's not touching you. Yeah. Most of my strip club experience was between the ages of 17 and 20, where okay. I was quite regular. Sure. And when I was uh, used to take friends for, like for their 18th birthday, like when I was around that age, definitely had one or two friends mess themselves because they couldn't handle it. But, uh, you know, not the type of thing that happens with most adults, but when you're 18 and that's like... It's not part of it. It's not what you're yeah. going for. No. It's not like a happy ending massage. No, no, no. But sometimes, like, it's nice, like, I, that girl is fantastic looking. I would like her to uh, essentially sh- sit on my lap and shake around for five minutes. I mean, I like massages. Yeah, that's I've nice. never had a happy ending massage, but I, I just like all massages. I feel like they're happy during, you know? Yeah, well, sure. There's different experiences. Makes you the brain and body there. feel good. What about a happy beginning massage? That'd be kind of weird. Because then you're like, ah, don't touch me. <laughs> yeah, they should, the happy ending people should really think about making it a happy beginning option and then be like, well, if you don't want me to touch you, and then you're done. We're out. All right, that's been a nice session. On to the next guy. Hopefully there's some Purell. Yeah. I'm sure they wash their hands. You know, I don't know how those people are, but you could have them on your new podcast. Masseuses. Yeah, yeah. I'll have a masseuse on. But uh, as for me, it's been, a, it's been a busy year. I've worked on a million television shows. I heard about that. Uh, yeah. That's great. Yeah, it's been fun. I mean, because I switched from drama to comedy, and I'd like to be in comedy. 
And uh, now I'm on Animal Practice on NBC's Wednesday, 8 p.m. Oh, congrats. Just came out. I've heard that. about it. Yeah, it was on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Which is a lovely show. Love that show. And uh, Sullivan and Son before that. Ah, Roy Wood Jr. That's right. From, from my last Comic Standing days. Yeah. Yeah. Great guy. Super funny guy. Yeah, that was my favorite show I've ever worked on. Sullivan and Son. Yeah, so much Steve fun. Steve Byrne, also. Yeah. Super guy. Uh, Owen Benjamin. Funny guy. Oh, yeah, Owen Benjamin. Funny guy. Yeah, everybody's, everybody's nice. Yeah. Everybody, everybody's I like, I like uh, all fun. those guys. Super. And they're doing another season of that, I yep. hope. Yeah. Are you going to be back on it? or That's the plan. Super. Um, Congrats. But for now, having a lot of fun animal practice. Well, you know, hopefully, that, hopefully that keeps going again. I haven't seen it, but uh, I'll, I'll look for your name. Uh, so I work Friday. I got to high five a monkey and look at an ostrich. That is, uh, I'm, I'm on board. Yeah, I, I like having these different showbiz experiences. You did to a monkey what I would do to people in first class if they posted up for it. That's right, cause, and uh, that monkey would high-five Tom Brokaw, too. I, I think he would have let him. You think Tom Brokaw is not against high-fiving a monkey? I, don't, I can't imagine anyone being against high-fiving a monkey, sincerely. Just like a germaphobe, maybe. Or someone who's just like, deathly afraid of monkeys. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, but, a, mon- a monkey-phobe or a germaphobe. On animal practice, uh, our monkey is the famous Crystal the Monkey, who's been featured in Hangover 2 at Night at the Museum, and she's been in films that have grossed uh, over a half billion dollars. Wow. That's a box office star. She's like Breck and Meyer. She's yeah, she's regular Tim Allen. Do you know Breck and Meyer? Sure, Breck and Meyer. Uh, he he is apparently uh, the movies that he's been in are I don't know if he's the highest grossing, but he is like one of the highest grossing actors of all time. Breck and Meyer of Franklin and Bash fame, correct? Which oh. also stars a good friend comedian Kumail Nanjiani. Oh, I didn't know he's on that show. He's on that show. And it stars with my former big brother Mark Paul Gosseler. Ah, because uh, Zach Morris was my big brother. Oh, as a child, yeah. In your mind? Yeah, I got to uh, work on a show a few years ago. John from Cincinnati featured Ed O'Neill, TV's Al Bundy. Super. My real father. Like it. And Mark Paul Gossler, my real brother. I, I, I didn't tell either of them that. Susie Bacon yeah. put out all these people, yeah. She put me out. She put out Noah Bacon. That's my, that's my brother. You probably don't know him. Don't. Yeah, you'd have no reason to know I him. don't know him. But if you... Uh, if Good you, night, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> should you do the Phoenix area, I'll say, hey, Noah, you should go see Mike Kaplan. To be Roy Wood Jr. and I actually performed at the Tempe Improv... Uh, before it closed, but if it opens up again, or I know there's a, a place in Scottsdale, Stand Up Scottsdale, I'll try to get there. Yeah, there's a new place in downtown Phoenix that's pretty huge. I saw I got to see Roy down there. It was fun. Super. Yeah. It was a good time. Hey, Mike Kaplan, this has been great. We gotta go. It, it has been great, and we do have to go. Thank you so much for having me. Very efficient. Brokaw out. And that's all the time we have in Gentlemen's Club. This week, shut the door on episode 153. Thank you, Mike Kaplan. If you want his new CD, you want his new podcast, go to MikeKaplan.com, and that is M-Y-Q-K-A-P-L-A-N.com. He's on Twitter, at Mike Kaplan. Gentlemen's Club on Twitter, at Gentlemen's. I'm on Twitter, at Caleb Eats Bacon, CalebBacon.com for more. Till next time, bye. <laughs>